From the Bhagavad Gita, the 14th chapter, Krishna describes how uh, there are three modes of material nature. And in text number six of 14, Tatra Satvam Nirmalatvat, Prakashakam Anamayam, Sukha Sangena Bhutnati, Jnana Sangena Chanaka. O sinless one, the mode of goodness being purer than the others is illuminating and it frees one from all sinful reactions. Those situated in that mode become conditioned by sense of happiness. So Tatra means there. Sattvam, the mode of goodness. So sat means existence, that which actually exists. And this is distinguished in the, in the, by Krishna and the Gita, that nasato vittite bhavo nabhavo vittite sata ubayora pitrishton tas tvanyos tattvadarshi. Can you just slide down a little bit so we can see the verse also, just to the top. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, he said that that which exists is uh, a real, or the sages have seen that that which exists actually has substance, and that which is a reflection of the substance. It's considered to be illusory because it's temporal. It's, it's moving past, and it's not um, compatible with our nature, that which is temporary. Three energies in uh, the Vishnu Purana, the description of these categories are Vishnu Shakti Para Prokta, Shetra Gyakya Tatapara, Avidya Karma Sangyanya, Tritir Shakti Ishate. There's the internal energy, the external energy, and the marginal potency. And um, when the marginal living entity, who's the same quality as Krishna, interacts with the material nature, one can see that interaction in the form of fruit of activities that are binding for the, for the living entity. The material nature ultimately is one substance, but it gets divided by the Supreme Personality of Godhead and ultimately is manifest in myriad forms because of the combinations and permutations of the three modes of material nature. And within the apparatus of the human body, there are senses, and above the senses is the mind, above the mind is the intelligence, and above the intelligence is the, the, the purusha, or the atma, which is uh, categorically different from all the other elements in the body. And then, of course, there's the paramatma, or the supreme soul, uh, who's the source of, of everything, and who's the guiding a witness of the a living entity who travels to many different bodies. Ishvara sarva bhutanam tishtiti brahmayan sarva bhutani yantra rudrani mayaya. Krishna confirms in Bhagavad Gita, I'm the one traveling with the living entity who's on the yantra, the material body. The process of, of yoga entails understanding the difference from the foundationally, one must understand the difference between oneself and the body, which includes 
the, uh, the gross physical manifestation of the body and the subtle manifestation, the psychological body of the living entity, which is divided into the categories of the, the mind, the intelligence, the ego. And uh, altogether, in some places, these are described as the chitta, or sometimes the chitta is described as the foundational part of these other manifestations. So when uh, a person becomes aware of the three modes of material nature, he or she also becomes aware of the effect that it has on him or her. And also through the uh, process of yoga, one becomes aware of the fact that one is not the body or the mind or the intelligence. The mind and intelligence are often mistaken to be the self because there is um, an illumination within them due to the proximity of the Purusha, or the living entity within the body. Just as much as if you take a stained glass window in a church, it looks dark. Uh, you can't, uh, if you have no light exposed to it, it just looks like a, a dense, um, uh, opaque uh, substance. But as soon as you shine light onto it, then it, it uh, lights up and it's uh, full of uh, form and patterns. And so in a similar way, the, the buddhi, the uh, manas of the um, living entity, which is part of the body, becomes illuminated by the soul proper, the purusha, the conscious living entity within the body. And uh, then when the living entity within the body witnesses the mind, um, that living entity may think, I am the mind, and become fully absorbed in the mind. So... Krishna here is uh, giving us a clearer understanding of how to um, view the world. In uh, Kapiladev's teachings, you'll find in the third canto that the buddhi, the intelligence and the mind, especially the buddhi, it's, uh, it has a high degree of sattva, naturally. Um, and uh, so does the mind. And therefore, it's easy uh, when one sees the mind, uh, when it's illuminated by ourselves to mistake it to be ourselves because uh, we're able to relate more clearly with the, the luminosity of, of the manas and the buddhi. And um, of course, the mind becomes conditioned and delimited by a particular body. And um, that body becomes what's called um, anupadi or a designation. So a turtle has this um, designation that I'm a turtle. And although the, the purusha inside is spiritual, and uh, in the sense that it's an eternal being, has an eternal nature, it's sat also. It's also chit, and it has ananda, because these are all qualities of the original cause, Krishna. However, when delimited by the the body and the mind of a turtle conditioned by the three modes of material nature and contracted into small um, circumference, a smaller circumference than that living entity identifies with that particular reality. So from the human point of view, there's a way in which through the process of yoga, one um, 
purifies the consciousness. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Cheto Dharpana Marjanam, the chitta has to be purified of the lower modes of material nature. And uh, the living being then also becomes aware of the fact that I am not even the mind or the body. So in the process of dealing with the three modes of material nature, in this verse, Krishna is saying that uh, tatra, their sattvam, the mode of goodness, nirmala dvad, being purest in the material world. So purest means that um, it's purer than sattvas, of the, of the rajas and tamas. And prakashakam means it's illuminating, anamayam, without any sinful reactions. And it's characterized by sukha, or happiness. So ka, in the sukha, we, well, the, this word means uh, space, actually. And su means good. So when one is uh, in the mode of goodness, one's happy. The happiness comes from an expanded uh, consciousness, which is able to uh, witness, uh, first of all, one's able Satvam yad brahma darshanam. From sattva, one's able to have darshan or be able to see uh, one's nature, which is blissful. So in rajas, there's activity, and the activity is uh, to uh, self gratify or to develop something so that one can be happy in the future. And that never happens. And then uh, <clears throat> Tamas is characterized by helplessness, one's simply helpless, which isn't a good, good feeling, is it? So this development of, of sattva is very powerful. And um, anamayam, it's uh, <clears throat> described here without any sinful reaction, and sukha, happiness. Sangena bhatnati, so... <clears throat> It's illuminating and it frees one from all sinful reactions. Those situated in that mode, sukhasangena bhutnati, um, become conditioned by a sense of happiness and knowledge. So Prabhupada explains here in his purport, which we'll read in a second, that, that um, although sattva is illuminating, there's a way in which um, one can become conditioned by that. And... Um, there's a sense of um, happiness that comes from the uh, mode of goodness. One's freed from the sense of angst from the mode of passion through which one always feels like you're trying to catch up. You're always in debt, trying to pay off the debt, but you never can. In the mode of um, sattva, there's a sense that um, ultimately I exist and that's good enough. <laughs> a sense of happiness from existence. So, uh, jnana sangena chanaga, jnana with knowledge, sangena by association, chanaga. So, um, <clears throat> the translation again, O sinless one, the mode of goodness being purer than the others is illuminating and it frees one from all sinful reactions. Those situated in that mode become conditioned by a sense of happiness and knowledge. Prophet's purport. The living entities, Conditioned by material nature are of various types. One is happy, another is very active, and another is helpless. So these are three important words to um, uh, describe the, the three modalities. Happy means sattva, active means 
uh, rajas, and helpless means the mode of ignorance. All these types of psychological manifestations are causes of the entity's condition, status, in nature. How they are differently conditioned is explained in this section of Bhagavad Gita. The mode of goodness is first considered. The effect of developing the mode of goodness in the material world is that one becomes wiser than those otherwise conditioned. A man in the mode of goodness is not so much affected by material miseries, and he has a sense of advancement in material knowledge. The representative type is the pramana, who is supposed to be situated in the mode of goodness. This sense of happiness is due to understanding that, in the mode of goodness, one is more or less free from sinful reactions. Actually, in the Vedic literature, it is said that the mode of goodness means greater knowledge and a greater sense of happiness. The difficulty here is that when a living entity is situated in the mode of goodness, he becomes conditioned to feel that he is advanced in knowledge and is better than others. In this way, he becomes conditioned. The best examples are the scientist and the philosopher. Each is very proud of his knowledge, and because they generally improve their living conditions, they feel a sort of material happiness. This sense of advanced happiness in conditioned life makes them bound by the mode of goodness of material nature. As such, they are attracted toward working in the mode of goodness, and as long as they have an attraction for working in that way, they have to take some type of body in the modes of nature. Thus, there is no likelihood of liberation or of being transferred to the spiritual world. Repeatedly, one may become a philosopher, a scientist, or a poet, and repeatedly become entangled in the same disadvantages of birth and death. But due to the illusion of the material energy, one thinks that this sort of life is pleasant. So this is an interesting description of, of Sattva Gun that it's purifying, it gives one wisdom, a sense of happiness, but it's also a guna. It also binds one to this material world. Rishabhadeva in the fifth canto says, He describes that there's a way in which the um, material nature has a, a coloring to it. Just like if you uh, have a load of, of white laundry, and you throw in uh, one uh, pink article. Like, uh, let's say you have a gumsha. And don't try this at home. I don't recommend it at all. It's like a disaster. <laughs> this happens a lot in Brahmachari ashrams from young men who never learn how to wash stuff, and they'll wash your stuff for you. So you, you throw in one tiny gumsha and a huge wash of white clothes, and then everything turns pink. Is this slightly pink if it's an old gumsha? but uh, enough so that it's uh, no longer really <laughs> uh, representative of, of the ashram. Uh, so in a similar way, there's, there's a taint that comes from the modes of material nature. Even when one's in goodness, there's a co competition by the various modes. They're competing with one another. And they, um, <clears throat> they or the, pre the people who have developed sattva, uh, are not uh, completely pure, but they're affected. So then Rishabhadev says that uh, because of that, there's a way in which one 
by being colored by the, by the modes of material nature, has to take birth again in the material world in order to, because it's a natural phenomenon that takes place by Daivanitrena. There's an accommodation given to those who have a desire uh, to en enjoy the material world through the senses, and that um, is accommodated naturally by the modes of material nature, practically automatically, mechanically, it's, it's awarded. So then uh, one, as Prabhupada points out here, ends up again repeatedly in the various bodies of the material world. So um, to come to the a perfect stage, one has to become perfectly pure. And this is achieved through the process of bhakti yoga, purifying the senses, sarvopadi vanir muktam tatprapena nirmalam hrishikena hrishikesha sevanam bhaktir uchate. The devotional service means engaging all the senses in the service of the Lord of the senses. And they are material or contaminated by the modes of material nature. However, when they're engaged fully in the service of the Supreme Pure, who's above the modes of material nature, then just as when you take an iron rod and you put it in fire, and you leave it in fire, the iron rod becomes transformed and it becomes red hot, so it becomes fire-like. So similarly, when the senses are engaged in the service of Ishvara or Hrishikesh, Hrishik Isha, the Lord of the senses, for, for whom the senses are made, uh, they're, they're made by him and they're made to serve him. And when they're properly serving Krishna, they become transformed also, and they become completely pure. And then the other uh, method, which is also using the senses, but it's through the nine processes of devotional service, beginning with Shravanam. When we hear transcendental sound vibration, then there's this uh, wonderful phenomena of vidhunoti, a sorting out of the lower modes of material nature and any impurities that are within by Krishna's help through the power of the transcendental sound vibration. That includes the kirtan, like um, hearing the kirtan of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. And um, listening to these vibrations, Pravishtakarna uh, Randrena, Swanam Bhavam Saroruham. There's a way in which uh, one becomes purified and simultaneously one's relationship with Krishna within the heart becomes manifested. So uh, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam is a natural result of hearing and chanting is that one begins to remember Krishna and think in terms of uh, serving Krishna, remembering Krishna's pastimes, his qualities, his instructions, and so forth. And then um, serving the lotus feet of the Lord, doing deity worship, and uh, praying, and uh, off, uh, becoming a friend of Krishna, offering everything to Krishna. Through absorption in these nine methods, or any one of them, or any combination of them, uh, one by, by association with the Supreme Pure, one's senses have become purified. And uh, all schools of yoga agree that even while in this material body, if one is able to rise above the modes of material nature, then one becomes a liberated soul even while in this body. Iha yasya harir dasye karmana manasa gira 
nikila apyabastasu jivan muktasa uchute means iha even in this body, even in this world, yasya harira se karmana manasa gira. Karmana means your activities if they're dedicated for, for, the Lord. A karmana manasa and the mind is engaged in Krishna. Uh, gira mean giri means the the words. If your words are engaged in Krishna's service, nikila apyavastastu jivan mukta uchite. So you're known as jivan mukta. You're you're liberated even while in this body. Uh, so Krishna says in Gita also that mam chayo vyabicharena bhakti yogena sevate sagunan samatityaitan brahma bhuyaya kalpate. That if you go on rendering devotional service then naturally you'll rise above the three modes of material nature and you'll come to the spiritual platform. And from the spiritual platform, then you're able to see Krishna. Lord Shiva confirmed this. Shuddha Sattva, Shuddha Sattva Visheshatma, that he said from the Shuddha Sattva Visheshatma, that uh, I'm able to directly see the uh, Supreme Personality of Godhead from that platform which is above even material goodness, no more contamination by the modes of nature. And we also hear in the progression of verses in the Bhagavatam, starting with the ones we, we chanted, or that include the ones we chanted tonight in the, in the Mangala Charna, and that is uh, beginning the developing a taste for hearing by serving, and then by hearing Bhagavatam, uh, Krishna helps from the heart to purify the devotee, and then by hearing Bhagavatam continuously, then one becomes noticeably uh, liberated from the lower qualities of nature. And then uh, the lower qualities are completely vanquished. And one becomes established in the self, means one's aware of the fact that my only purpose really is to serve Krishna and that I'm a spiritual soul beyond the material world altogether. That's a, that's a, um, the liberated situation. And then finally, um, uh, he's describing that um, one has uh, complete scientific knowledge of the personality of Godhead and becomes fixed up in that um, platform of devotional service. So uh, there are other systems of yoga, like the Ashtanga process. Patanjali describes these uh, levels of um, purification that start with yam and niyam means that you have to start to um, interact with the world in a, a different way you have to be truthful not you can't steal you have to be um, nonviolent. you have to um, control your senses and so forth and then uh, you can start the process of meditation after you've cleaned up your act and then there's different levels of meditation where one becomes aware of the fact that one's not the body and then one becomes fully aware, simply situated in one's own uh, pure consciousness, not even aware that one's uh, noticing that there's a difference between one and the other. And then he describes the shortcut to all of those in the, in the Yoga Sutras, he calls Ishvara Pranidhan. If you offer your, um, your sincere obeisances to Ishvara, who's there with you, then very quickly you can shortcut all these other processes. 
Nonetheless, even in bhakti, uh, Rupa Goswami starts with vacho vegam manasakroda vegam jihwa vegam udaropasta vegam itan vegam yo visheta dhira saravam apimam priti bhinna shisha. You have to control the senses. And then uh, he gives six items that are unfavorable, six items that are favorable, and so forth. And then there's the delightful engagement uh, in an association of devotees that uh, becomes uh, a source of uh, developing one's love for Krishna through loving the devotees. And then understanding the Vaishnavas, that no matter uh, what their external situation may be, because they're, be, they become servants of Krishna, they're known to be um, uh, great souls and, and their association is purifying. And then he describes the different levels of Vaishnavas and uh, how one should distinguish them and associate with each kind of Vaishnav. The beginning Vaishnava is the one who can say Hare Krishna. You should offer obeisances in your mind. Then there's the next level of Vaishnava, the, the Vaishnava who's taken Diksha and is chanting and practicing. And for that person, you should uh, go out of your way to offer demonstrative, uh, respectful obeisances. And then for the third class, the one who's progressed to the level of actually uh, being free from ego, no more uh, hunkar in such a person. And uh, it's exhibited because nindadi shunya, no more friends and enemies. They're, they're, um, they're, they're not uh, fighting for their um, prestige in the material world anymore. So they're not concerned with uh, criticizing others. Nindadi shunya. Um, and such persons are, um, should be uh, uh, served and, and listened to by the association of devotees. Throughout the Bhagavatam, it's described that the, the association of devotees is purifying. Tulayama Lavina Pina Swargam Napunarbhavam Bhagavat Sangi Sangasya Martyanam Kimutashisha. So there's nothing equal to the association of Vaishnavas, those who have dedicated their life to serving Krishna. And the Tulayama, you can't nothing can outweigh that. Tulayana Tulayama Lavina Pi Naswargam Napunarbhavam. It can't compare to liberation. Uh, it can't compare to go to the heavenly planets, which is just like moving into a better neighborhood, but you're still under quarantine from the coronavirus. Uh, and um, <laughs> it's obviously better than material sense gratification in, in this world. And um, others say the same thing. Uh, Lord Chaitanya quotes all these verses describing how devotional services fostered by association with Vaishnavas. Naisham matistavara rukramangrins bisharpyanartha pagamoyadartaha mahiya samparajo bishekam diskinchananam navranita yavat. That uh, you have to get the association of a, of a Vaishnav, somebody who's cent percent dedicated to the process of devotional service. And uh, by that, you'll become purified. Okay, sorry, that one's not coming out today. But that one's describing how um, <clears throat> there's a way in which people try to purify themselves by sitting in cold water in the winter, sitting around hot fires, performing uh, the 
their ashram duties perfectly, uh, like being perfect sannyasi, perfect grihasta. Said uh, all these things you can do, but uh, it won't get you to the perfectional stage until you, um, uh, without vina, uh, without taking the dust from the, the feet of a pure Vaishnav, you can't come to the position of pure devotional service yourself. So uh, these are, there's some, you know, elementary or introductory knowledge in the Bhagavad Gita about how the modes of material nature work, how we're not our bodies, and the, how, the mode, how we're interacting with the modes uh, and, and getting entangled by them. And then the, throughout the Vaishnava literatures, there's description of how one becomes purified from that situation. And the Acharyas have coming down, especially through Srila Prabhupada, given us a clear process that anyone can practice to become elevated beyond the modes of material nature and situated in uh, uh, pure devotional service through different stages of, of uh, practice and elevation. And now I'll just take a few reflections before I give some practical hints, the yagadas for our success. So reflections or questions? Dear devotees, you can unmute yourself to ask your questions. And, um, and Maharaj, we have a question on Facebook. Okay. So um, this is from Achyuta Bhav Das Prabhu. And uh, he's thanking you for this wonderful class. And he said that you had used the term Yatra of the material body. And, Yantra. Yeah. <laughs> Yantra. Okay. Yeah. He so sorry about that. And so he says that that struck a chord with him and he kind of wants you to, if you can elaborate a little bit more on that. Sure. So, uh, yeah, yantra, yantra means a machine. And this body is mechanical. And it's, a, albeit a very advanced machine, if I say, a dear hand, please come here, it just comes. It's automatic, hooked up to the brain. Of course, there could be some malfunction and then I'll say, hand, come here, and it won't come. And then I'm in a, you know, my machine's broken. But uh, there's hardware, which is the, uh, the material body and all of its uh, various senses. Actually, the senses are not the uh, perceivers themselves. Ultimately, the purusha, the person in the body, is the perceiver. But it comes through the agency of the senses, and the senses have a gross aspect and they have a subtle aspect. So behind every sense, there's the a subtle sense that is like the software behind each one of the uh, senses. Everyone can understand that now, especially all you software engineers. There's gotta be some subtle code back there that makes it run and makes it intelligible, that translates it out into some activity that actually takes place. So um, the five gross elements, uh, come out of the, uh, the tanmatras that come out of a hunkar, which comes out of uh, the buddhi. So there's this telescoping out into the material world that forms the senses. That's getting a little too technical, but the fact is that behind each sense, there's this uh, subtle software that runs it and it hooks up very nicely to the mind, the intelligence, and the false ego, and then uh, offers it up to the purusha or the the Atma, the living entity that, that's within the body. So 
if we analyze the body, we'll find that it's very much mechanical. It's categorically different than the conscious being that's within the body. And uh, this is a knowledge, Krishna says. Shetra gnam chapimam vidhi sarva shetre shubharata shetra shetra gnayogyanam yatash gyanam matamama. Krishna gives his opinion, matamama. This is my opinion. This is what knowledge is. Knowledge means being able to see the difference between myself and he says the field that I'm resting in, the field where I'm enacting my uh, desires. And it's being fulfilled through the body, and the body is um, a part of the material nature. And it's happening by a higher arrangement. Prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasha ahankara vimudhatma kartaham iti manyate. The body, although it works really fast, so I think I'm doing this, is actually being conducted by the material nature. There are devas or higher powers who are intelligent who uh, assist me in doing this and that and this and blinking my eyes. I'm not aware of it. It's going on. And even if I am aware of it, even if I'm uh, deliberately lifting my hand, that's being facilitated by material nature. But Krishna says, if somebody thinks that, yeah, that's me, I'm doing this. I am my body. I'm doing all these things. That person is vimudha, which means really stupid. It really doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> and so uh, one has to become aware of one's situation. Uh, Krishna then says, Tattvavittu mahabaho gunakarma vibhagoyo gunaguneshu vartanta iti matva nasajite. One who comes aware of the fact that uh, he or she is interacting with the three modes of material nature and sees how this labyrinth is uh, going on. It's a matrix that's uh, made up of these three modes of material nature, how it's functioning, how I'm separate from it, uh, is intelligent. That's a learned person. So yes, this is a machine, and we're riding on the machine. An example, Burjan Prabhu gives is like a little child. He wants to pick up a heavy barbell, and then uh, he grabs onto it, but his father is standing behind him, and he actually grabs the barbell and lifts it for the child, and the child thinks, I just lifted 100 pounds. But uh, Krishna is there uh, facilitating the ways in which we interact with the three modes of material nature, and his agencies are all there too, but he's the ultimate cause and facilitator. I hope that's what you were looking for. What else, Shraddha? So um, there are a couple of questions also in the chat. Do, do you, would you like to read or? Okay. Um, let's see. Where are you? Like, uh, let's see. We have from Bhani Mardan. There he is in person. We have him live. to you. I'm very fortunate. Thank you. I just like to give one more reflection about, I think you have, quoted many times about the Ninda criticism and how the three different layers of uh, Vaishnava we should be appreciating and respecting. And also in Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhalila also, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu giving instructions, he say like, Purasharana Vidhi, Krishna Prashad Bhojan, Anivedi Tatyaga, and Vaishnava Ninda the Bharjana. That means giving up the blaspheming of the Lord's devotee, which is pretty uh, powerful and you have really quoted several times in many of the occasions I've heard and I wanted to imbibe some of the instructions. That's why 
one of the things I really felt because Lord Ramachandra also, when he wanted to pierce the arrows to the, you know, Samudra at the time he appeared, then after that he said, oh, my arrow has already come out, so I need to pierce somewhere else. Then he throw into the nearby mountain where the pieces of rocks were. So similarly for us, our whenever we have our angers and all, even if we do not replay on somebody else, it diverts into some someone else. So we need to at least check those uh, bad things should not come at loss. The desires should not come from our mind and our front door. Thank you, Bali Mardan Prabhu, for the for the um, context. And uh, are you in outer space? <laughs> because virus is everywhere, so only space. Don't, is don't space. leave us yet. It looks like you're going through the uh, Shishumar on the way back to Godhead. So if you would uh, give us your association for a few more years, we would definitely appreciate it. I'm still around. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Um, Tadia Seva gave us the verse, 118.13. It's actually uh, Srivast Pandit Prabhu was pointing out to me today. This verse is quoted, is uh, given three times in the Bhagavatam. The third time... It's slightly different in the first line, but tulayama levinapi naswargam nakunarbhavam. I already talked, talked about. Uh, Divyang, you said I can't unmute. And she can. yeah. now she can. Yeah. Kautikarnaka said, Hare Krishna, Dandavat Pranams, Lord Kapila speaks about devotional service in three modes. So, how can devotional service free one from the modes? It looks like one can be under the modes and still performing devotional service asked by Akshay. So there are uh, levels of uh, purification. And as one's performing devotional service, the purification takes place. But uh, those who are in the beginning stages of devotional service have not um, developed the highest conceptions of life and uh, through their purified awareness of Krishna. For instance, three levels. There are various ways in which the levels of devotees are described throughout the Shastra. So one of them is in the 11th canto. The, the lowest, um, the beginning stage is described, Acharyam eva harya, Archaryam eva harye, pujam ya shraye hate, natad bhakte shu chanyeshu, sabhakta prakritas mitaha. So this is a contradiction in terms, as you're pointing out, how can devotional service, it's all pure, but now we hear the first level of devotee is called prakrita bhakta. So that means a materialistic devotee. So how can that be? It means that uh, the tendencies of attachment to the material world uh, are still there, even though he or she is performing devotional service. And they're described here as acharya meva hariye. The devotee, this person has a limited conception that Krishna is only in the temple. And I see Krishna there, but nowhere else. Especially natad bhakteshu chaanyeshu. The, the beginner can't see um, the devotees, can't understand the importance of devotees, and also doesn't know how to do good for others. But then when one becomes more elevated, then ishvare tadadineshu balisheshu dusatsucha prema maitri kripopiksha yakaroti samadhyabaha. That person becomes the is defined as the middle-class devotee who is able to see the Supreme Lord, uh, understand and appreciate the devotees, sees who is innocent, and also sees who's envious of the Lord. So this is expanded 
vision as one's performing devotional service. And then that person knows how to do good for the innocent, knows how to worship Krishna properly, especially important knows how to worship devotees, because even Krishna says worshiping the devotees is more important than worshiping me, and um, knows also how to avoid the envious. And then sarva bhuteshu na pashyad bhagavad bhava matmanaha bhuteshu bhagavadyatmani esha bhagavatotama, the highest class devotee is uh, situated in pure vision. So it's, it's by gradations that uh, one becomes purified. And uh, even though uh, one is starting devotional service, the tendency for um, <clears throat> particular um, uh, sinful activities may still be there within the heart. Or that um, vision that some people are my friends, some people are my enemies, my devotional service is better than other people's devotional service, and things like that. Uh, are still there until the purification takes place. And then uh, we have from Vijay Prabhu to everyone. Thank you for the lecture. I was wondering how it is that the modes of nature are competing with each other. Sometimes the mode of goodness is prominent. Sometimes the mode of passion is prominent. Sometimes the mode of ignorance is prominent. This makes it sound like the modes are persons. Uh, persons compete with, with each other but the modes are just nature, uh, they are not persons. Yeah, so um, that, that the verb to compete is given as a, uh, it's just descriptive, that's all. These uh, forces of nature are constantly, um, just like in a scientific experiment, you'll see certain elements uh, are, are moving and sometimes some become more prominent than others. Okay, are there any other uh, comments you want to make? Um, yes, Mara, there are quite a few reflections and, okay. uh, and a, a couple of questions. Let's have three and then I got a few more points to make. Okay, so then I'll take the questions first. This is Amayapur Bihari Prabhu, and he's talking about the Bina Mahatpad Rajobhishekam verse that you had quoted. So he wants to know, what exactly does it mean to say that you take the dust off somebody's feet? Is it that you are following them? Or is it that you're serving them? Like that. This especially means that um, you render submissive service. Because this is something, as you know well, that Krishna recommends in the Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita, when you, when you approach a, a, an exalted person, somebody who's tattva darshina, someone who's seen the truth, then uh, you should do three things. One is you should be submissive, submissively disposed to that person, pranipat. Then uh, pratiprashnena, you should, you should ask really good questions, pertinent questions. And sevaya, you should render service. And um, you might notice that when somebody renders service to you, you'll notice that you become inclined to want to do something for them. It's just natural. There's a sense of reciprocity. And so when somebody serves a great soul, and that great soul tends to open his or her heart to the person who's serving and offer all kinds of um, gifts. So this is really what it means to um, bathe in the, the foot dust of the pure devotee. Of course, it's also a very powerful substance mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. There are three very powerful substances. 
One is the foot dust from the lotus feet of pure devotees. Second is the water that washed their lotus feet. And the third is the remnants of their food. There's prasadam, there's ma prasadam, and there's maha maha prasadam. So prasadam is prasadam. It's offered to the Lord, but then when it's offered directly to the deities, it's become maha prasadam. And when that a Mahaprasadam has been honored by a pure devotee, and then you can get the remnants thereof thereafter, you've got yourself some Maha Mahaprasadam. So these three substances, Kaviraj Goswami says, should not be neglected. So both things are there, but one shouldn't think, oh, let me just run and grab the, the feet of devotees, and then my life will be perfect, and then I can do whatever I want. No better you serve. You serve them submissively, try to take up their instructions. What's the other question, Shraddha? Um, no, the rest of them are all comments, Narad, so we can take them. Okay, I'll take those in a minute. Yeah. Uh, here's a few goddess for success. Uh, first is uh, take time for relationships. This is uh, confirmed by Rupa Goswami in the Upadeshamrita, Dadati Pratagunati, Guhyam Akyati Prichati, Bhunte Bhojayate Chaiva, Shadviram Pratilakshanam. If you want to have success in devotional service, then you need to have loving devotions, uh, loving relationships with the devotees. So give gifts, exchange gifts, take time for relationships, because uh, that's what fulfills our desires and it, what's, it pleases Krishna very much also. as as we saw in the case of the Vrachetas, when they had uh, very good relationships with each other in their practice of devotional service, and the Lord became very pleased. The second yagata is, yagata encourage the heck out of everybody. That's Krishna. Krishna's doing that. He's always trying to encourage us in various ways. He sends the Ganga, the Jamuna, Tulsi, the Bhaktas, the Bhagavad Gita, he sends uh, Giriraj. He's got the holy name coming to us. He's there Prasadam. in our heart. He's there. Prasadam. Uh, thank you for saying that. It was an unembodied voice from the sky telling my favorite devotional activity, taking Prasadam. All of these are encouragements coming from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And if you want to be in lockstep with the Lord, then encourage everybody else in devotional service. And how much should you encourage him? Encourage the heck out of him. So if you make that your main occupation in life, is encouraging uh, others in devotional service, you'll always be happy, guaranteed. Coronavirus or no coronavirus? <laughs> okay, and the next one is uh, be personal. And um, I learned this when I was doing business many years ago. There was an admonition given by one of my mentors who said, if you don't have time to make it personal, you don't have time to do business. And so in devotional service, people, devotees, they thrive on, on our personal interactions with them. That's what lifts them up. In fact, everyone can trace out their beginnings in devotional service to some personal touch they found. They might have read a book first or whatever, but then they came to the temple and someone was nice to them. They showed them appreciation, respect. And uh, that's what really touches the soul and, and moves people, is making it personal. 
Then so the first yagata was you gotta care. The second yagata is you gotta empower people. So the best leaders are those who who make other leaders. Leaders that empower leaders, those those are the best leaders. And uh, one of the ways to do that is always be looking for leaders. Look for people who have ability and attitude and then empower them as much as possible. Also, uh, there's down to up in uh, empowerment. Like uh, a, a disciple can empower the a guru by paying attention. Like if you sit in a class and you start nodding out when your teacher is speaking, you're not empowering that person to speak. But if you're enthusiastic, you follow the instruction and you come back. It's like if you do your homework and come back, the teacher feels empowered to teach more. If you don't do it, then it's like, why should I even tell you anything else if you're not doing it? So there's empowerment that goes both ways. And um, Lord Chaitanya, uh, he said, uh, I'm the only gardener, but I want more gardeners. So he wanted us to go out and first of all, he wanted us to become good gardeners. And uh, I was just getting in place to plant all my seeds that I got from Johnny Mooney and putting together all the, the plowlets today and all the, you have to have seed starter. It's a real science getting, I usually start from, not from seeds, but from small plants. And uh, this time I'm starting from seeds because the nurseries are all closed. And uh, some of the, Anyway, it's a long story, but uh, getting getting into gardening mode, you got to take a little instruction, learn how to garden and so forth, and make other gardeners. Don't be a ball hog on the basketball court. The guy who always takes the ball, goes down court, doesn't pass it off, shoots himself, <laughs> misses over and over again, pass it around. Don't be a ball hog, but share with others. And... Um, don't care who gets the credit. Let other people take the credit and have faith that Krishna will apportion the credit when the time is due. And as I said the other day, Radhanath Swami once told me, if you take credit where, where you didn't deserve it, then later on you're going to get criticized for something you actually didn't do. The next Yagata, what are the first two Yagatas? Take time for relationships. First, you gotta is you gotta care. You gotta care. Gotta make uh, time for relationships is within that one. And the second one is you gotta empower people. empower people. The third you gotta is you gotta purify the vibration. So this is a, here's an algebraic formula. The quality of your life is equal to the quality of sound that you have in your environment. The quality of your life will be dependent on the quality of the sound that you let into your environment. So whether you've got a community, a movement, a family, uh, a car full of people, a room that you're living in, whatever it is, it's dependent on the vibration within the room. So KTVG, keep the transcell vibration going. KTVG. Incorporated. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't give all these yugatas. I'll save some for later. There's a few more yugatas. 
Pero, Please give. Huh? Please give. <laughs> really forgot Only that. because Manjula Kanta. Okay, <laughs> um, next one is, you got to build the pipeline. This is very practical for spreading a Krishna conscious movement. The pipeline is a network of people favorable to your cause. And the more you build the pipeline, the more you can spread Krishna consciousness around the world. Remember that you can always use a friend, never an enemy. One enemy can wipe out the effects of a lot of work. Of course, it's naturally when you preach Krishna consciousness, enemies will pop up, but we should do our best to make friends with people, not enemies. Our message and products flow through the type, uh, through the pipeline. So always, A-L-W-A-Y-S, always be networking. And remember that everyone counts. Every person that you meet, this is one of the rules of networking. Everybody knows that every person you meet, you should see as the next important link to realizing your expansion of the Christian consciousness movement. You don't know who it is. I was in Vrindavan, I forgot, 2001. And uh, I guess I was, or maybe it was 2000, I can't remember. Then uh, there was a devotee. He was just out of college and he was sleeping on my friend's floor in the MBT. Wasn't sure what to do with his life. And uh, my friend, uh, Kashi Ram took the time to uh, to nurture him, feed him, talk to him about the importance of book distribution. It just turned out that he came from an aristocratic family and he had a lot of capability, although at the time he looked kind of like a potential loser, uh, like no direction in life or anything like that. And he went back and into Delhi and became one of the biggest book distributors in the history of our movement. Because this one devotee, Kashi Ram took the time to empower him and, and talk to him. So remember, any person, even if they look insignificant, even if they're homeless, it doesn't matter. Their, uh, their uncle could be <laughs> the next big thing. So we should see everybody as the next important link. What to speak of the fact that they're all parts and parcels of Krishna? I'm sp speaking from a practical point of view first, but then... Ultimately, yes, do sarvani bhutani atmani vanupashati. We should scientifically see how everybody's important because they're part of Krishna. And um, the the process of um, building the pipeline. Remember, a lot of doing a little is very stable and a powerful, powerful um, model that you can build. Okay, did I run out of time without knowing it? I'm going till 6.30, aren't I? <clears throat> okay, uh, there's more Yugadas, but uh, let's have a couple of reflections on the Yugadas now, or any of the earlier reflections. So we had some reflections from earlier on. Actually, <clears throat> the reflections were shared. Okay. So we had... Um, Keval Bhakti Prabhu and Namrata Khatwade, both of them uh, liked your comment where you said that going to the heavenly planets is like moving to a better neighborhood, but you are still under quarantine. That's right. <laughs> that one. And then uh, Bhakta Govind Ayer from New York, he said he liked your definition of Sukha, where Su is you know, good and Kha is space, so good space. 
like that. Yeah. And then um, Divyanga Prabhu is there, and he sent this. Sarva Vaishna Vera Paye Kori. Sarva Vaishna Vera Paye Kori Namaskar. Ithe Aparada Kichu Nahuko Amar. That's it. <laughs> right, and then uh, there's a there's a um, there's a question here from Manisha Amra, and she says that in Ramayana we see that Mantra was envious of Lord Ram, and her envious nature was used by the Lord as a medium to go to forest. But the philosophy is that everything can be Krishnaya in the service of the Lord, anger, jealousy, etc., but not envy. So how do we understand this thing? Well, the Lord's uh, Leela requires these various elements uh, for flavor. So if you're taking it from the perspective of Leela, then anything can happen. And that's a higher perspective. And that's a, one of the easy answers when anybody asks a question, say why did this happen or that happened you say well it's part of the leela <laughs> it needed to be orchestrated because if you're going to do a play you got to have villains and you got to have everything else in order for be to for it to have some tension and interest in it and so forth but it's not necessarily mantra that's uh it let's just say from a, a worldly point of view the envy the mantra has it's it's actually a just a, a um detriment to devotional practice, and it's indicative of somebody who has um, material vision. Icha dvesha sumutena dvanva mohina bharata sarva bhutani sammoham sargayanti parantava. Krishna says, This is the nature of the materialistic mind born into the material world, is envious of other people. So it's, it's not a, an admirable quality or something like that, uh, nor was it admirable that uh, Kaikei. Uh, was affected by it. It's a lesson for us to be careful of mantra. As we'd said before in previous Ramnomis, Ram we said, uh, watch out for the mantra effect. Because you could be perfectly happy and then somebody will come up and whisper in your ear, don't you know, blah, blah, blah. Don't you know, haven't you heard, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you're, you're not feeling satisfied because you're thinking like, yeah, <laughs> It actually is no good. So be careful who you listen to. From the Leela point of view, we can um, justify anything because it's you know, from a higher perspective that it's going on to facilitate the Lord's activities. Anything else, Shandhi? I have a reflection for you. Yes? Oh, Vijay, Hare Krishna. Hare Vah. Hare Vah. Yeah, there was one devotee, this is back in 1971 or so, and he was distributing books, but he wasn't having much success. And he was seeing all the other devotees doing so good. So he wrote a letter to Prabhupada and said, Prabhupada, I think I'm feeling envious towards my God brothers. Because they're doing so good, I'm not doing so much, and I'm feeling some envy. And Prabhupada wrote back, very interesting. He said, actually, this is just another way of your showing appreciation your god brothers you're not envious you're just showing some, there's some appreciation there <laughs> yeah uh it, it probably said you know a lot of these qualities if if you take out the um 
inebriation or the contamination of it, they're there in the spiritual world also that there's some competition. But then uh, once you see somebody succeed, um, you're happy for them that they, they pleased Krishna. But um, in the material world, the sense is let me drag them down so that they, uh, so that I look better. That's envy. That's, not, that's envy. And that's not there in the spiritual world. Thank you very much, Vijay Prabhu. That was helpful. There are a couple of uh, questions on the, and reflections on the chat. Okay. There's one from Gopal Champu Prabhu. And he's asking that what's the example of being too attached to the mode of goodness? And he's giving the example that, you know, if you are doing deity worship, then you're supposed to maintain yourself very clean. So what are some of the other aspects of mode of goodness that one can get too much attached to? Oh, they can become too much attached to. Yeah. Well, what is what Krishna is talking about here is becoming attached to um, one's own ability to um, see God. Because, I mean, and there's different contexts for this. It's described in the, in the Yoga Sutras that, uh, anyway, I won't go into that now. I'll just say that from the context of, of Narada Muni, when he was a little child and he left home when he was five years old because his mother died. Can you hear me, Gopal? Yes, Gopal so Okay, okay. So, as you know, when Narada Muni was a little child, his mother died. He was already a single family home a single parent home. So he just took off. And, uh, and he already had some impetus for spiritual life because he had learned from these sages that stayed at his house during the Chaturmas, just like we're in now, the Chaturmas period. And so he was enlivened. He had some sadhana going on. And, uh, you know, he's a blessed soul because he had met these uh, pure devotees. And, and so he went to a forest and he was practicing his kind of meditation that he had learned from them. And then Krishna revealed himself. And he became, uh, he, you know, he had this uh, experience of Ananda. This uh, is described in the Gita in the sixth chapter in the context of meditation. One experiences there's no greater gain. One's completely liberated from the bodily situation. And in his case, uh, each one of his uh, limbs, the subtle senses, were running after Krishna to taste his sweetness in all the different ways. And they were taste he was tasting it. Something just um, beyond, beyond description, material description, full absorption. And then he suddenly came back into his corporal existence and realized, I just got pulled back in. So he mechanically tried to get it back again. And that's when Krishna spoke to him. And what did he say? He said, you're a ku-yogi. means you're bad yogi. <laughs> he said, because you're attached to the mode of goodness. And um, so what that meant was, you know, he had this idea that if I, if I just live in the forest, if I do these techniques, uh, then I will be able to see God anytime. And he, he was attached to that idea. So... Um, you know, Krishna wanted him to see that it wasn't by his power, but it was by Krishna's reciprocation, uh, loving reciprocation, that one comes to that highest perfectional stage. So the point is, somebody in the mode of goodness may become attached to this idea that um, I'm better than others. That's one sense Prabhupada mentions here, because I'm purified. 
and it may try to re retain that status quo of just being happy with the illumination of the body and mind, not in the uh, uh, in transcendental loving service. Does that help? Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, so uh, the example of deity worship being attached to cleanliness. I mean, you can become attached because you 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 like the feeling of being clean and so forth. You're a neat nick, um, or your mood, uh, that's not necessarily um, transcendental. That can be from the mode of goodness, but transcendental would mean, I want this to be clean because Krishna lives here and Krishna's gonna see this. You know, if you're walking across the temple hall and you see a rubber band on the floor and you walk past it because you think, ah, that's for somebody else, then your mind's in the mode of ignorance <laughs> because you just, it, but if you know if if you're thinking I should say I don't want Christian to see that when the curtains open he can notice that somebody left the rubber band on the ground and so it picks it up because like I want to please Krishna that's transcendental it's not mode of goodness a subtle distinction okay all right okay. thank you good to see you Hare Krishna Divyanga Prabhu <laughs> He set my basins. All glory to Prabhupada. Everyone okay out there? Everything's fine. Everything's <laughs> just fine. <laughs> what <Okay>. plague? <laughs> I I want to add this. You gave me this a long time ago. This is from verse thirty-one of Bhagavad Gita, uh, Karma Yoga, verse thirty-one, and uh, Prabhupada says here in the purport. An ordinary man with firm faith in the eternal injunctions of the Lord, even though unable to execute such orders, becomes liberated from the bondage of the law of karma. In the beginning of Krishna consciousness, one may not fully discharge the injunctions of the Lord, but because one's not resentful of the principle and works sincerely without consideration of defeat and hopelessness, he will surely be promoted to the stage of pure Krishna consciousness. You gave me that gem, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, and I, I, I lean on it heavily. Yeah, that's such a nice point, Divyanga Prabhu. Thank you for bringing it up. That's, Thank you, Vaisi. <laughs> the sincerity of one's purpose in devotional service, Krishna brings up even in the Apichet Sudaracharo, right? Because even if somebody is uh, trending towards worldliness, if that person has this determination that I'm going to serve Krishna and goes on with that, person has to be called a sadhu because Krishna says, Sri Prabhupada Dharmatma, Shashvash Chantim Nagachati. He'll be successful because it's it's coming from Krishna's empowerment from within the heart. And Krishna is Baba Grahi Janardhan, right? Yeah. So that's another one, you know, that I like to take shelter of. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for these. No, shows. thank you, Div. It's good to see you. Adibo, good to be seen. Up late, <laughs> sleepless in Alachua. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have I don't have to go and say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but tomorrow's a big day. It's Balaram Rasiatra, and it's the day I got initiated. So it's a huge day for me tomorrow, Vaisi. Oh, congratulations, Div Younger Prabhu. Hare Krishna.
I'll have to make a feast to make some Varuni beverage, you know, and get it going on. Was that in Cleveland, Ohio? Yeah, it was actually, I got initiated in New Vrindavan. New Vrindavan, but you were a resident of yeah. Cleveland, Ohio. I was, yeah, I was a resident of the Cleveland Temple, yeah. Was Bhakti Gopal Prabhu the temple president? Yes, and, uh, and then Vaisheshika Prabhu came and enlivened us on book distribution. Like, what are you doing in Cleveland? You're not doing that many books at the airport. Trip Raimaraj sent you there. And then after you were there for a few days, you called Trip Raimaraj and said, no, actually, 20 books a day in this airport, that is big. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course... I have a great. Then we went to Chicago. So. <laughs> then we went I have to a great. Park. I have a great story. They're all the devotees gonna love. Yeah, go ahead, Vijay Prabhu. This is about Divyanga Prabhu. The oh, way yeah, he joined, I know it's a good story. Go ahead. <laughs> the way he joined, he was going to to a concert, <laughs> and the devotees were gonna go to this concert and distribute books, and he saw the devotees in the van there, and they said, he said, "Wait, you guys going to the concert? Yeah, yeah, we're going." Can, we, can I join you? Yeah, all right. So he went in the van, and they started preaching to him. He bought some books. And they said, well, you know, uh, we're going to distribute some of these books here. You want to you help us out? And he liked the devotees. He said, yeah, all right. So he distributed books the whole day. And his friends came over and said, hey, what are you doing? We're going to go to the concert. <laughs> no, that's all right. I like this, you know. So he kept distributing books the whole day. And then the end of the day, they said, you know, we're going to go to another concert later tonight. You want to come? He said, all right. No. <laughs> That's how he joined. <laughs> Thank you, Vijay. Hare Krishna. <laughs> One of the most amazing stories of how someone joined our movie. Not <laughs> Not 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 Not